Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jeff Grammer with the Albuquerque Journal and abqjournal.com. This is the Talking Grammar Podcast, episode 27. It's been a while since the last one. During the season, it's a little tough later in the season as the season goes on to, to get these out every every week. But uh, now that the season's over, and as you guys all know, we all have a little extra time on our hands, it seems like. So I thought maybe bringing the podcast back is, uh, is something that maybe a lot of you could enjoy right now just to kill some time. Some diversion, some escapism. This will not be COVID-19 heavy. Uh, not a lot of coronavirus talk on some of these podcasts that I'm going to be putting out over the next couple weeks. This is just a little bit of kill the time. Let's let's hear something other than than the news. I hope you guys are all paying attention to the news, but give yourself a break from it every now and then too. There's there's no reason to uh, to do nothing but watch the news and and worry and get the gloom and doom kind of aspect of what's going on in our lives. We still have lives. Let's still uh, let's still enjoy the other things in life, too. And for some of you, that's Lobo Basketball. For some of this podcast, it's not just going to be Lobo Basketball. It's just getting to know people around the Albuquerque sports scene, and that's what I hope to bring you with some of these podcasts coming up. Today, I talked with Dan McHale. He's the assistant coach of the Lobo Basketball team. He is completing, he just completed his first year, and I talked to him a little bit about what year two might be bringing for him and for the team and maybe what's going to be a little different. But we also talk about his past. He has an interesting past. Um, He's a basketball lifer from his freshman year in college to now. He's been in college basketball. He went to the University of Kentucky and was a manager on with Tubby Smith. He went there to to work as a student manager for Rick Pitino and is right about the time that Rick Pitino took or right at the time that Rick Pitino took the job at the Boston Celtics. So Dan never got to work then with Rick Pitino. He worked for Tubby Smith, but was a manager at the University of Kentucky and started his basketball coaching career, became a grad assistant after that. Eventually did work with Rick Pitino. He, you know, as he has told me in the past when I wrote about him when he was hired a year ago and he kind of mentions today, you know, he, he grew up in the coaching profession, sitting in a room with Mick Cronin and, and well, I'll let him kind of tell the story of all the, all the coaches he's gotten to know through the years and work for through the years at Seton Hall at Iona at uh, University of Minnesota with uh, with Richard Pitino before he got his own head coaching job at the age of 35 at Eastern Kentucky. So he's uh, he's the assistant coach at UNM. Um, he's like the rest of us, kind of stuck at home right now, still working, but stuck at home with family. And we talk about that a little bit. He's he, he's not the best um, handyman around the house. He credits his wife, Jackie, for for being that around the house. And uh, we talk about that a little bit. But um, Dan's an interesting guy. He has a a defense background and a defense kind of mentality that I don't think we saw this past year um, with the Lobos very much. And I think that had a lot to do with personnel. He has Rick Pitino pressing in his DNA and his coaching DNA and pressing and full court press and pressure defense in general is what Rick, uh, I'm sorry, what Paul Weir kind of wants with this team and swayed from or, or veered from a little bit over the last two years, really this past year in particular, and it had a lot to do with personnel. Frankly, I'll, I'll say it if, if even if they won't, the, the slower players on the on the Lobo roster are are the ones that are now leaving, and I think they can get back to pressure defense and to um, to some full court press, not press just to speed teams up, but press to actually force turnovers again. And I think that's what this team is going to get back to a little bit this year. We'll see what the personnel looks like at the end of this kind of weird recruiting period right now, and he talks a little bit about that. So. 
As I said, I spoke with Dan McHale, Lobo Basketball Assistant Coach. That's what episode 27 here today. Um, that's what this podcast is about. But I am going to do some more of these. I, I'm going to reach out to some some people that have some UNM Lobo ties, some Albuquerque sports ties, just some people that I some people that I've met along the way covering college basketball. And it's not going to be just about Lobo basketball. It's going to be about all kinds of things, some MMA, just some sports journalism, some what do you think about Albuquerque? What are you doing in this coronavirus kind of world right now where you're where we're all stuck at home who's who's binge watching what who's who's going crazy who's driving uh their spouses crazy now that they actually have to spend time with each other so anyway we'll get into some of that i do appreciate some of you on social media on twitter already giving suggestions for who you might want to hear from on the podcast keep it up i'm at jeff grammer on twitter that's g-e-o-f-f-g-r-a-m-m-e-r let me know who you want to hear from. Maybe I can reach out to them and get a podcast with them. And please, by all means, and, and I mean this with sincerity, keep reading local journalism. Keep supporting local journalism. abqjournal.com has some fantastic coronavirus content um, and not just coronavirus content. We're still covering everything. We are still a seven-day-a-week operation. And like everybody, we're, we're taking a hit too, but we are still trying to get you guys the news and the information as best we can, as quickly as we can, and most importantly right now, as accurately as we can. So please support local business, of course, and that includes local journalism. The Albuquerque Journal is a locally owned business and always has been. And um, same with other local journalism around the state. Please support local journalism. For us, abqjournal.com. Um, and of course the print edition still you know pays pays the bills as well so help us out keep us up um keep keep reading us keep keep us in your daily routine as best you can and i will continue to keep trying to give you as much sports content as i can for the paper for the online for the website of course and some of these podcasts i appreciate it hope you enjoyed today's episode with dan McHale. So next year's schedule uh, we're just breaking down a lot of film. Recruiting, I, I do recruiting film in the morning, and I do self-scout and uh, some other new concepts in the afternoon. Well, what, what do you, when, when you talk about, like, recruiting in the morning and you're doing self-scout and stuff like that, people think of scouting as, as you're just looking for recruits, but obviously that's not, you know, during the season people think of scouting maybe as, like, the next team and all that. What, what, what all do you mean when you talk about you're doing scouting? Yeah, so we've all divided up. You know, still on our big board, how many prospects? So it's probably, it's probably still 50 guys out there that we're looking at. Now that we can't go see them in person, uh, luckily a lot of their game film is on the you internet. Know, it's on Synergy, it's on Baller TV. So we divided it up and we're just doing evaluations uh, of guys that we, you know, kid that Brandon might have saw in, in November. Well, now I can watch some of his games right now and see, you know, my evaluation of them. So we, we do about four or five a day a piece and then email uh, each other back and forth kind of with our database of what we like about the kid. Uh, and it's tough because you, you can't you can't talk with them. And then a lot of that's, you can't sit down with them in person right now. And that's been the most challenging thing. Well, so a lot of the, the I mean, it's not necessarily looking over someone's shoulder or checking their work or anything, but you guys obviously have to cross, you guys all have to be on the same page when you recruit anyway. But like, um, yeah. you guys are kind of looking at other your your colleagues, I guess, uh, recruits basically right now. A lot of that. Yeah, you know, there's, I want to see what you know Brandon or Jerome thinks about a kid that, that I might have missed, and, and vice versa. And so we we keep a database. We fill out these forms after watching every game. We, we put them all in the one, and then we kind of share notes a little bit. So you okay. know, this kid looks like he, he fits the way we play. He's got athleticism. 
you know, impress more next year? Is he, you know, defensive minded? That's what I'm looking for in a lot of these kids. Um, and then, you know, you just you keep recruiting him. And if we're all in agreement as a staff that he can help our team, then, then we go all in. So this is all new. Normally you go out on the road, you see the kid in, in the spring, you sit with him, you meet with him. Now it's, it's, it's doing it all online, and uh, it's made it a little bit more challenging. But, you know, we're making the best of it. Well, that's part of the day in the life. Let me – I kind of want to start with uh... – some of the what what the day in the life of of what you guys are doing right now is this is a new norm at least for now for everybody obviously but college basketball coaches right now whether you're in the tournament or not you're usually busy man like you're you're usually like you said you know on the road you're in a tournament you're getting ready for final four trip you you guys this is a busy time even if your season has ended this is usually a busy time so kind of walk me through if you will um what's uh what's a day in the life right now of uh, of Dan McHale. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't been able to sleep since I think since I became a head coach. <laughs> I haven't been able to sleep. So I, I don't sleep much anymore. So I, I usually get up six thirty, seven o'clock, have a cup of coffee, um, you know, check check the waiver wire as we call it. Um, you know, uh, trying to see who's who's entering the transfer portal. Yeah, if it's something that we want to pursue, uh, that, that's kind of the, the new norm in college basketball. Um, do that, have a cup of coffee. My kids are normally up on their iPads, make them breakfast, and then by about, you know, seven thirty, eight o'clock I settled in, I go to office here at my house and uh and I start my day. A lot of it is again, like I said, watching film and then, you know, working on next year's schedule and getting on conference calls with the staff and uh and then it just kinda it kinda flows from there. And for the people that don't know you have three kids, right? You're you're married to uh you, you met her did you meet her in college or? I did. Jackie and I met in college. We'll be married 15 years uh, at the end of April. And our three kids, Lily is 11, Daniel's 8, Molly's 4. So uh, it's been fun. You know, I haven't, as a college basketball coach, you, you, your seasons come and go, and there really is no off season anymore. So, um, you know, it's, it's nice being able to spend some time with them, but, you know, keeping the work balance as well. They're, they're respectful, but I've got, I've got a job to do, but, you know, it's it's different. You know, if they really need help with something, cause they're working they're working on their homework, right? All of their iPads now. Yeah. Just being sent home. You know, I, I can pause for ten minutes and you know stop and help, help my son with his uh, with his virtual homework on his iPad. Now it's kind of crazy. Um, for those obviously that um have been to Lobo games this year, which a lot of people listening probably have um been to some Lobo games, they probably have recognized your son out there on the court. Yeah, he loves it. He, 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 uh, he's intense. He, he's he's uh, fortunate to be a ball boy at every game this year. And then uh, uh, I spotted him in the Mountain West tournament going crazy a couple times in the stands with his uh, with his jersey on. So, no, my, my family, I've uh, been very, very blessed um, to uh, be able to, to work at some great institutions and, and be a head coach and then obviously been uh, fortunate to, to be part of the Lobo family. And it's been fun. My, my kids love it. My wife loves it. Uh, they don't miss a game. They're all in. I asked. Uh, I know I talked to you about this uh, last night a little bit, but um, if I were to ask Jackie what's what it's like uh, right now with 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 you being home and when you're normally not, what's uh, what's her response going to be? Is it uh, everyone's? Obviously, they're happy that you're home and they get to spend time with you. You guys, I know, drove back from the Mountain West tournament, stuff like that. Close family, obviously, but uh, you're you're not usually home right now. What what is life like for them with dad home right now? Yeah, I mean, they keep asking, Dad, you know, don't you have to go on the road recruiting? Are you don't have the games anymore? You know, what's going on? So uh, we're very, very close. Um, I guess I have 
I've moved Jackie, I think, she's uh, eight times in the last 15 years. And uh, she's a, a trooper and unbelievable bought into all this about being a coach's wife. And my, and my kids love it too, but it, it's different because, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you don't have to go to work today. Or, you know, normally the conversation is if I leave in the morning and leave really early. Like, Dad, what time are you, are you getting home today? And now it's, you know, I'm home all day. So yeah. we're, uh, we're, we're having fun with it. And you know, like I said, I get my work done throughout the day. They're doing their homework. And then we've gotten a routine, you know, after dinner, going on a family walk. Uh, walking to the park, and then normally close the night by playing uh, Family Uno and Family Mario Kart has been the uh, the games of choice of this past week. And and who wins? Uh, we can't. My, my eight year old son kills us in uh, in Mario Kart. We can't beat him. He's really really good at it. I think I've probably beat him once or twice, but uh, not consistently. And uh, Uno, the girls been winning. You know, my youngest Molly won, and so Lily's winning. It's uh, it's been fun. What about the rest of the day? Are you uh, are you work around the house, do odd jobs? Are you the guy in charge of the remote control when you're watching TV? Are you cutting into their to their shows? Or, or what about that kind of stuff? You you getting yeah, stuff done? No, I'm certainly not the handyman. You can talk to Jackie about that. Fortunately, she is. She's a lot like her dad. Um, you know, I, I couldn't even pump up my son's bike the other day. I couldn't figure out this, this complex pump that she. You coaches to. are crazy, man. You you coaches you coaches are a weird bunch, man. You guys have so much going on in your minds during the season, and you guys are juggling all kinds of things. But man, it is all basketball for the for the most part, isn't it? It is. I mean, it, it, it's, it used to be when you get some downtime. It, it, it's it's twelve months a year now, uh, and uh, and that's what it is. Well, no, it was a. Very complicated bike pump that I have no idea. I said, Daniel, go, go get your mother. I can't figure this one out. That's awesome. She, she pumped up the bike within two minutes. Um, the work obviously is still going on. You guys are all kind of working from home for the most part. I know you guys may still go into the office some, or I, I know you yeah. can go in if you want. I know Paul, I guess, uh, goes in, print some stuff out every now and then, stuff like that. But um, when when this is all done, you guys have you guys have some work to do, obviously, and, and kind of a – an off season ahead. What is the typical, not necessarily right now, what the Lobos are facing, but what, what's a typical kind of routine for the off season for, for a coach and a coaching staff? Uh, you know, right now we were trying to obviously wrap up uh, and get our heads around what, what our guys are doing right now. That has right. been the, the, the different. You know, we have to take their safety into uh, you know, first and foremost. So uh, most of our guys are, are home and they're home for an extended period of time. So, Again, we, we divide like like we divide the recruits up. We divide our players up amongst the coaches, and, and we have to check in with those guys. They have to check in with us every single day just to make sure you know they're okay. They have enough food. They're they're at home. They don't have any symptoms. So that's that's been the, the first thing is is the well being of our, our current roster. Um, next thing is their academics. We have to make sure now with the online classes that these guys continue to do well and the seniors continue to stay on track to graduate. Um, so that's been a big talking points uh, every single day uh, amongst the staff and our academic advisors. Uh, these guys have now virtual tutors, which is crazy to yeah. think about, but um, the normal tutoring that they would receive in the academics there now is virtual. So uh, we have to keep our guys on track with that. Um, and then the last thing is, you know, rounding out this roster, you know, who, who are we going to sign? And, um, just just figuring out how to, how to complete this 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 recruiting class and and even the guys that signed Nolan Dorsey's and Javante Johnson's and Hassan, you know, making sure that they continue to be able to graduate. And that that's one thing that the NCAA has to figure out too. I mean, what if a kid doesn't have a qualifying test score right now? 
Right. Um, and a lot of kids were recruiting, had not taken the SAP or ACP. A lot of kids that signed late in the spring take it in the spring. And now can, they can't take the test. So how are those kids going to be eligible? Uh, and I think it's a good question that the NCAA has to figure out. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot of – I mean, we, we don't need to dive into all of them, but there, there's a lot of questions that – are going to, you know, some legs that are going to have to come out of it that are coming from this story. Legs to it with um, APR. Um, if a senior right now can't finish a class or a departing player can't finish a class for whatever reason, online problems or they went home and maybe don't even have a Wi-Fi connection or whatever it is, um, there's a lot of things going on right now. Is that going to hurt APR? Is that going to hurt scholarship limits? Yeah. Are, are scholarship limits going to kind of be – relaxed uh moving forward it sounds like probably not for the winter sports but you know spring sports have that decision to make right now with all those being canceled are you just going to relax scholarship limits for the next four years because it's not just the seniors who lost a year every every class lost a year so the ncaa's got a, a tough road ahead to making all those decisions but those decisions are what impact what you guys need to be doing right now recruiting wise absolutely you know that's why we're we're kind of just you know, operating as we we'll just recruit as many kids as we can, and then you know, a month from now, see where the dust settles. And yeah, and scholarships we're going to have. And I, that's that's the reality of it. Yeah, and I think just even three, four years ago, people really frowned upon over recruiting, and well, how, why are you recruiting? You already have thirteen guys, and that right. it's it's just you, if you don't do it, you're you're hurting yourself, you're hurting your program at this point because yeah, you've got to be ready yeah, for everything. Have so yeah, have to stay ahead of the curve. Well, obviously the game all changes all the time. This is a curveball nobody saw coming. But you've been in this for a while, man. You've seen some changes. You, you're a basketball lifer. It seems like you. Right when you went to college, yeah. you uh, you got involved in college basketball, didn't you? Yeah, I was very fortunate. Um, you know, I, I was um, a young kid growing up in New Jersey, you know, decent little high school player, but I knew it wouldn't go beyond that. Um, and, and found out that another guy from New Jersey was working with the Kentucky men's basketball program. His name is Frank Vogel, um, and he's now obviously coached the Lakers. Uh, yeah. And he kind of took the similar path I had. And, uh, I was fortunate to go to Kentucky. Was that just that you, you knew you knew another New Jersey guy doing it, or did you know Frank? You know, you know I, I went down, I guess, on a visit, quote-unquote, to, uh, to, to Kentucky, and I wanted to meet with the coaching staff. And he was the only guy available, and he was in the video room. Uh, as a manager, and he kind of talked to me a little bit about getting into coaching and said, look, if this is what you want to do, trust me, you know, come here. This is this is the, the AT&T at the time. Yeah. Google wasn't around. It was, it's a Fortune 500 company. If you want to get into coaching, Rick Pitino's the best uh, to learn from. Come here and, and just be willing to do whatever you, whatever you can do. Wow. Um, so I got into school, didn't know anything. Uh, Rick left to go to the Celtics that spring. Uh, so I show up on campus in the fall, uh, I guess it was probably August of 97, and again, I didn't know anything, if I was going to be able to still work with the team or whatever. Uh, I get a letter that says that uh, I've been accepted to Wildcat Lodge, where, where the players and managers live. I, I walk in, I see my name on the on the door, and that was kind of my first, uh, you know, I, I, I took a leap of faith. I drove, my parents and I drove down, and I kept saying, I'm working with the team, I'm, I'm going to be part of the basketball team. They're looking at me like, you know, the only kids want to work with Kentucky basketball. Yeah, yeah. And uh, sure enough, uh, took a chance. Had a great four years there. Uh, won a national championship. Got to go to the White House. New President Clinton at the time, which was an amazing experience. And then uh, as I was a senior in college, uh, you know, realizing after working with Kentucky for four years, I wanted to try to get a graduate graduate assistant spot and kind of work your way up the, the chain that way. And um, Coach Patino had just taken the job with um, – 
with Louisville. And again, now everybody wants to work for Rick Pitino at Louisville back yeah. in 2001. And he's the hottest coach. He was back in college. And and, uh, and not just like the, the hottest coach for, for his own success. Like he, he's his track record of, I guess his um, coaching tree has a, a track record. I mean, people become head coaches when they go work with him. Absolutely. I mean, that, that was that was it. So, again, uh, the fried odds, again, everyone, every every kid that was 21 years old wanted to be a grad assistant in Louisville at that time. But I was able to get to him, told him my story, why I came to Kentucky, and, and, and I was fortunate that, that he hired me. Uh, you know, I only had two grad assistants myself, a, a young man named Matt Grady, who's at Manhattan now. And I uh, joined the staff, and it was uh, it was incredible. You look at the staff back then, I'm sitting in a, in a conference room as a 21-year-old, uh, fresh out of uh, college graduate, and I'm sitting there with Nick Cronin, Kevin Willard, uh, and, and later on, uh, as a good call, Marvin Menzies joined the staff, Steve Messiello joined the staff, uh, and it was just an incredible experience to, at age 21, you know, sitting around a conference room with Rick Pitino leading, leading the charge and seeing how he rebuilt Louisville. We went from you know, our first year just trying to rebuild it to you know, in our second year, they were being ranked as high as number two in the country. Um, so from there, again, he, he told me when, he worked, when I worked for him, he's like, you work for me, but I want you to really learn from, from Kevin Willard and McCrone. You know, they were 25 and 27 at the time, two young guys. Now you look at the success they have right now. And, and I really did. Kevin was a phenomenal basketball teacher. Uh, was great at scouting and preparation, and that's where I really – uh, developed uh, my skill for, for scouting and, and development was through him. And Mick was a great recruiter, and, and he taught me the ins and outs of recruiting. So I was, at a young age, uh, being able to tap the resources. Now, if you look at the success that Mick had in Cincinnati and now at UCLA, and what Kevin's done at Seton Hall, making them a top 10, top 15 team in the country, uh, I learned from those guys at a young age. So that was awesome. Uh, and then I knew, you know, Kevin and I became really close. I knew when he got a chance to become a head coach, he would, he would hire me uh, to go with him, and unfortunately that happened. We, we went to Iona College back in uh, 2007, which is ironical to us on Iona here, I'm sure, in a minute. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Kevin turned that around, and Kevin got coach of the year in the MAC. and then fortunately, um, so I was 26 as a full-time assistant, which was, which was pretty cool. Yeah. And then he got the Seton Hall job at age 29. So now I come full circle. I'm from New Jersey. I grew up I went to Seton Hall Prep High School, uh, you know, for a couple of years. And I grew up a PJ Carlos, most Seton Hall guy, I used to go yeah. to his camp as a kid. Now I become an assistant coach at age 29 in the Big East at Seton Hall, and it was it was incredible. Um, and, and to see again another rebuilding job where you know the program was a mess and helped Kevin for for I thought I was going to stay there for you know probably still be who knows Kevin, yeah. Kevin's on, on going on year 11 there and he's done a tremendous job. He was like my big brother. Uh, I thought I'd be there for a while, uh, but after our third year, uh, Richard Patino got the um, head job at Minnesota, yep. and I happened to be doing Ke the Kevin Willard radio show from a McLoone's restaurant in New Jersey. I'm, I'm filling in for Kevin. He was he was on the road for some reason, so I'm doing the, the radio show in the spring. Um, and I'm about to go on live radio. And I'm sitting in the in the kind of the, uh, the restaurant area with with Jackie and I think Lily, my youngest, and Dale was probably yeah he was he was he was more at that time. So we're sitting in the in the uh, uh, in the, in the um, kind of the audience. I'm getting ready to go on stage and do the radio show, and my phone's ringing. It says Rick Patino. So I'm looking uh -huh. at it, and I show my wife. She's like, "You can't answer that. You, 
you have to go on, on live radio. I said, I, I, how do you I'm not answer that? Yeah, how do you and not you know, answer that? This thing go to voicemail. So I grabbed the call. I had to talk to the, the producers. I said, I'll be right back. I'll step outside. They weren't happy with me. I was outside for about 20 minutes. I kind of missed my spot. I think they really rearranged a couple of uh, guests and I was able to finish up later in the show. But anyway, along the short of it, he said, look, Richard's getting the uh, Minnesota job. I want you to go there with him and be a top assistant. So I said, okay, great. Um, what are you going to tell Kevin? You know, <laughs> you know, Kevin is like Rick, Rick's godson. He's like, don't worry about Kevin. I'll, I'll take care of him. Uh, so long and short of it, I come back and tell my wife, Jackie, I said, we're moving to Minnesota. She's like, we're, we're doing what? <laughs> and uh, uh, I think about five days later, I was, I don't know, I think probably two days later, I was, I was off to Minnesota for the next couple months. And then uh, Jackie and the kids joined me uh, a couple months later. I mean, the, the the Rick Pitino thing is is something you know he his name for for people maybe that aren't following college basketball as as closely as 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 others that are listening you know his name obviously is associated with what's gone on in the past year and stuff like that right. but but there's no there's no argument um, from anybody whatever you think of Rick Pitino about his success I mean the 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 guy is a coach. Um, He's unbelievable, right? I mean, the, the, he's, yeah. he's a no, he is. He, he's going to go down as one of the best, right? I mean, people ask me all the time, and and, and for me, he, he is. I've never seen a coach like him, and I, I was able to see at a young age, you know, for me to learn what it's like to run a program. And I was fortunate enough to do that, you know, fifteen years later, uh, and, and to understand the ins and outs of how detail oriented he is, and how he holds people accountable, and how he's really, really hard on assistant coaches because he knows. He's grooming them to become head coaches, and that's what I realized you know, at a young age. You know, he was really hard on Kevin Willard. He was really hard on Mick Crowder, really hard on Marvin Menzies. I mean, really. Marvin was in my office a couple times almost in tears, and, and, and to see the success that they, they have had. Marvin, obviously, tremendous success. Kevin and Mick, you know, tremendous it, it, You can see because because Rick was so hard on them, but what people don't see is the other side of him. He's the first guy after uh, workouts are done for the day, whatever, to say, hey, you know, let, let's go to the racetrack. Let's go to Churchill Downs. The next thing you know, I'm walking to Churchill Downs, and he says, come over here. And he'll open up his pocket and he'll give me a couple hundred dollars. And he'll just say, this is for a great job you're doing. And, you know, people don't see that. Um, I remember one Christmas, he, he bought all the wives, uh, and, and Jackie and I were just married, like these Prada, really expensive uh purses you know he's really really a tremendously generous man yeah. and for me personally he, he did so much for my family um you know i just i, I think the world of them i'm just very thankful uh but from a basketball standpoint uh people say what makes him great what makes him great is every single day he tries to duplicate the day he had before you know everything every the consistency in his life is unbelievable you know, he's in the office every morning between 6 30 and 7 o'clock we'll have a staff meeting between 7 and 8 you know, from there on the court doing individual structure between eight and twelve. From twelve to one, mandatory coaches workouts on the treadmill. From three to three to five thirty, mandatory practice every day, and then we'd go home at night and make recruiting calls. And, and sometimes he'd, he'd say, "Staff, let's go. We're going out for you know, grab a beer at the local local bar and sit around and make calls from there." And then he would do it every single day. He just was able to push the right buttons and, and, and motivate at the highest level. The Patino um, conversation is a good segue now to the Iona situation where. Yeah. As you mentioned, you, you you've worked, you've been at Iona. Um, Rick Pitino's back in college basketball, which I think a lot of people figured would happen eventually, and um, maybe some people are a little surprised as to where it's happening. Maybe not. Um, it is back east. It's maybe in a lot of ways a perfect fit. Um, but Rick Pitino's back at Iona. 
Was there any Dan McHale to Iona talk that uh, Lobo fans should know about? Uh, you know, it, it, uh, I had the amount of phone calls that I received. I think that was in an article that Yahoo Sports wrote that I was speculating that would join the staff. Uh, but no, there, there was no, no real talk. He and I are still close and obviously close with, with Richard, but it's just not the right time for, for me and my family and for what he was looking for. I think he wanted to, he hired a, an older guy. Um, was about 70 years old, and then he wanted to hire two younger guys. So for me, you know, it was flattered to be part of the conversation, but uh, I'm committed to, to Paul Weir and to, to building level basketball, and I couldn't be more excited about that. Well, your coaching tree, um, Patino aided, obviously, got you to, to Eastern Kentucky in 2015. How old were you when you were named a head coach? I was 35. I was 35. Very fortunate, 35 years old, to be named head coach. And I look back on it, like I told you about my, my rapid rise and my journey, um, I, I'm a very humble person, but you take things for granted. And, and I look back now, and look, it didn't work out for me in Kentucky. You know, I, I, it was really the first time in my coaching career that it didn't work out. Every other place I went as an assistant, we rebuilt and we won. Well, I had to rebuild at Eastern Kentucky, and unfortunately, I only got three years to do it. Um, and, and you learn from it. So if I'm never able to lead a program again, you look back at the mistakes you made, because I obviously definitely made mistakes. Um, you own up to it, and you say, what can I do? To, uh, to, to do it right this time. So fortunate enough at age 35 to to, uh, to run my own program, but now I'm 40 and uh, I'm excited where I am in my career. You're still young in your career. I mean, people, yeah. you, you already have a head coaching notch on the belt and you've already done all the Patino stuff and, and you're 40. Right. I mean, that's obviously still pretty young in the whole coaching career. Um, that said, part of part of what we just talked about, you, you being a head coach was – was what made you so valuable to come on the staff here at UNM? What what kind of stuff, I guess, as a former head coach, um, can you offer, Paul? Can you offer the program? Obviously, it's up to Paul. You know, Paul's the head coach, and it's it's his. Um, you're you're there for whatever he asks for and stuff like that. That that's how it works. But you know, what what kind of stuff can you offer, Paul? And can you share with with people listening that uh, you know, you when Paul needed to lean on somebody who had been in that position before. You know, what do you think your perspective offered the the program and Paul? Not just yeah, this past I mean, season, I but moving this forward. This year, you know, um, was a trying year for everybody. It's, it's well documented. You know, we, we had uh, start off the season really well. Um, it's obviously some off the court issues that well, affected the team. Let me ask you real quick on on this past yeah. year, like without getting into the details of it all. I've never covered a year quite like this, and I've covered some crazy Lobo years. <laughs> Um, yeah. Have you ever covered a, a season quite like what just happened? Again, not not necessarily delving into details, but was this did this one stand out in any any way as the unusual aspects of it? Yeah, no, this was this this was definitely unusual. Uh, I haven't really been part of a year like this as well. I think the closest thing is when we took over at Seton Hall, um, a young man. I'm sure you remember her Pope, the former and the Minnesota State player. Oh, yeah. We were we were I, I think ten days on the job. He he collapsed doing an individual workout. Now, this was before we had AEDs in the room as well. I mean, it was scary. So he, he was in a coma for, for close to three weeks. I think that was the first time I saw real, real adversity. And, and Kevin Willard, there's no handbook for that. Right. The kid collapses when, 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 you, when you're doing workouts. So that was probably the closest thing I saw. Um, and then, you know, this year, obviously, you know, what, we didn't have anything as drastic as that. But, but there's adversity. And it's how do you handle it. So going back to your, your question, um, you know, I think I was able to help Paul navigate through some things because of my experience, uh, because of being a head coach. Because when you're a head coach, your mind's racing a million miles an hour, and you don't see things. And I look back at my experiences, 
you, you, you don't see things clearly sometimes. And you're going to need somebody you, who you can trust to sit you down and say, listen, this is the deal. I, I, we need to take a step back from here from a second. And Paul's a very, very smart guy. And very, very, you know, follows the rules like I've never seen. Um, but just to have another voice confirm it. You know, he, he would ask me, are we doing the right thing with such and such? Are we doing the right thing with this? Thing? Absolutely, we're doing the right thing. Let's, let's go even above and beyond, even if it means losing a couple games we probably shouldn't have. Uh, but I think from that standpoint, I was really able to help him navigate this year. Uh, but from an overall standpoint, it, it, it's great because he and I are similar in age. You know, he worked for Marvin for a number of years. Marvin and I worked together. Um, and I think we can, we can complement each other well. Um, you know, whether it's recruiting, whether it's running the program, whether it's the structure of our guys' day, uh, whether it's individual instruction, whether it's it's practice. Now having guys that you know, I think you see me in practice, I'm pretty pretty vocal. Yeah. And uh, and I think I think he, he wanted that, he needed that, just to have another voice. And uh, you know, he trusted me to have every scout this year. And, and at the end of every practice, you know, getting ready for the next opponent, he would just say, "All right, Dan, you got it." And, and I would kind of step into the head coach role and go over our scout report and our game plan for our guys. I know that um, with Patino on the resume, people want to know about pressing and stuff like that. That is something UNM did um, in, in Paul's first year, backed off a little bit last year, not entirely. But then this past season, that when you were here, you guys didn't press much at all. Is that just a personnel thing, or do you guys think you'll get back to more pressing? Is that a – frankly, I mean, I'll, I'll say it. You don't – a coach doesn't have to, but like – you guys are losing some of your slow players. Uh, you, you guys had in some key roles uh, some slower players, and pressing probably wasn't conducive to that last year. Anthony Mathis is is a popular as popular a Lobo as there's been in a long time, but he wasn't the best defensive player, and and there were reasons why maybe pressing the last couple seasons weren't um, you know wasn't maybe the best idea for the Lobos. But but moving forward, you you guys got some pieces now that it looks like you can get back to pressing if you want to. Do you anticipate more pressure and more pressing? Absolutely. It, it is. You have to look at your roster, and you have to say, what can we do? What can we press? And we do with some of our older guys that we, we couldn't play a pressing fanatic style that, that maybe I wanted to play or even Paul wanted to play. We, we just couldn't do it. Um, you know, we started off the year with more of a 1-2-2 a kind of contained press uh, with Vance and McQuatch up top, and it was very, very effective. And then when guys got hurt, we had to even scrap that. Um and that was more of just a slowdown press, not not a not a press to, to turn you over. Um, so we know we are. We definitely were looking at our roster. We we, we liked the, the the quickness that we have at the guard spot. Um, more athletic, big guys that um, you know hopefully can, can can help us out in the back of the press. So uh, again, until until this roster takes full shape on hopefully probably September one, the way this is going. Um, uh, we'll have to look at it, but that is our intention with recruiting. That is our intention uh, going forward is to get back to pressing, to turning teams over. Uh, I've got my versions of the Patino press that Paul and I have drawn up on the board. It, it, you know, it's something that, that we want to go to this year. Kind of wrapping things up a little bit, when you do talk with people in your circle, you know, people outside of, of just Albuquerque, which which you've been here less than a year, I guess, right? You, you haven't quite even been here a year yet. Um, you know, your circle, the, the Patino circle, or the former assistants that you worked with that you've mentioned, stuff like that. What what kind of stuff did they reach out and talk to you about this year? I, everybody in college basketball saw what a crazy season Lobo basketball went through. I'm curious what kind of feedback you got from from friends and, and people like that about what you guys went through this year. Yeah, no, I did. You know, everyone, when, when we were 15-3 and, and beat Wisconsin and, and all this stuff, everyone was, was 
you know, doing a hell of a job, this, that. And then, you know, you, you lose a couple games. Everyone wants to know what's going on. But coaches know. Coaches know it's tough. It is tough. It's tough to keep sustainable products going. Um, and, and, you know, all I kept telling them was, you know, this is a heck of a home court advantage. And I was fortunate enough to coach in the Big East and the Big Ten and, and play a lot of different venues. Uh, this is one of the best, if not the best, I've played. But it's rocking. It really is. And that, that's why I would tell my friends, you know, oh, I stayed up to watch, you know, the, the late games where most of these guys were East Coast guys. Um, you know, it looked like it was a great atmosphere. And that's what I just kept, kept telling them. But, you know, you lean on some guys. I got two or three close friends that are still coaches that, that you lean on. And I tell them what we're going through. Um, and, and they said, look, we've been there. You just got to try to right the ship and, and play your best basketball going into the conference tournament. And that's what we did. I mean, when we look at it, you know, who knows? You know, we, we, we finished that game against Utah State, and then who knows what happens. And then, yeah. you know, I look at the way we finished the season. That's something to uh, be excited about only the next year. Being a head coach against on the uh, on your agenda, I would imagine, you, you want to do that again. You know, I, I, I tell my wife it all the time. I, I'm not – yes, it, it would be nice, but, but if, if it's, I'm never a head coach again, I'm fine. I was a head coach, and, and you know, it didn't work. For whatever reason, um, yeah. If, if it happens, it does. If it doesn't, I'm just enjoying my journey, and, and that's what you kind of lose sight of when you're younger. You don't enjoy the journey as much now; just enjoy the journey. But you're enjoying the basketball journey. That's gonna. You don't foresee any time soon where basketball isn't part of that journey. No, correct. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a basketball lifer. My wife, she knows that as well. Uh, my kids know that. And I, I'll be honest; I don't know what my kids would do with that as well. That's a big part of their lives. Well, it sounds like I don't. I mean, what what else would you do? It sounds like maybe you certainly wouldn't be a handyman. Um, no, so. definitely won't be a handyman. Uh, or or uh, working a bike store. That's definitely not in the cards. Awesome. Did Did you enjoy this year? Obviously, it sounds like you know for a basketball life or your your coaching, you're doing what you love. There's that aspect of you're always going to love it, I guess. But uh, did you enjoy the first year in Albuquerque, or were the off the court sort of just weirdness of the of the season? Did that did that detract from it? What's your overall takeaway from year one in Albuquerque? No, I really did. I really really enjoyed it. Um, I just couldn't couldn't understand the fan base. How unbelievable they were. Came out like, like I've never seen. Uh, and, and the coaching staff. It's all about who you work with. You know, um, we have a tremendous staff. Everyone really gets along pushes each other's buttons in, in, a, in, a, in a good competitive way. Uh, and then and Paul Weir is just tremendous to work for. He's, uh, he, he gets it. He understands the balance uh, between, you know, basketball and, and family time. And, um, you know, we're, we're all hardworking guys, and, and, and we push each other. So from that standpoint, I really enjoyed it. Now, from the off-the-court stuff, you got to go through that. And yeah. Hopefully we got a lot of that out of the way this year. Uh, but I enjoyed coaching these guys. And it was unforeseen stuff. It's not even like a playbook for, for some of the stuff you guys went through. Frankly, kind of not unlike right now, there's just not a playbook for, for what everyone's going through right now. Some of the stuff that happened to the team this year, it's not like you could call somebody up and say, hey, when this happened to you guys, what did you guys do? Because the stuff that happened yeah. this year, again, not even assigning guilt, blame, whatever, just what happened happened, and there's no way to prepare for some of the stuff you guys went through. You lost – you know, at one point, yeah. you guys were down four starters. Teams don't go through right. down four starters and, and succeed. So um, yeah, you guys got through that, and we're playing well at the end. So that's got to be some reason for optimism, man. Um, I appreciate it, man. Like, it sounds like you guys are staying busy. It sounds like you guys – do you guys have, without names, obviously, do you guys have some good uh, recruiting prospects? Are you optimistic about what may happen? Yeah, we do. Yeah, no, we do. And that's where, you know, it's 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 – you know, what do we want to do? Do we want to add an older grad transfer? Do we want to add another young guy? 
but we do. We have a lot of names on there. We just have to figure out who balances out uh, us the most, obviously, with you know, Byron coming here uh, and being able to work out the team last month or so was big for his developments. We're excited about the other three guys we signed in the fall. Uh, and so we, we can be kind of selective with these last couple of pieces. I'll leave listeners with this since you just mentioned him. Um, I, I saw him practice a couple times. I, I know what my opinion is of him. But but Byron being here first semester, again, another unique situation. I, I don't remember in college basketball a, a mid-year you know, enrollee, um, enrollment of a, of a recruit. But, but Byron was here for, you know, a couple months, got to practice a little bit. What are, what are Lobo fans in for when they see Byron on the court next year? Yeah, well, first of all, Lobo fans are going to love him because he's always smiling. That's what I love about the kid. He never has a bad day. He never has a moody day. He comes to work every single day. And he's just, he's appreciative to be here. Um, but he is a, he is a, he is a low down low. He, uh, he's got a gift. He's a tremendous rebounder. Uh, he, he told me he looks up to, you know, former, uh, Seton Hall American Angel Delgado who led the league in rebounding, um, led, led the country. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to lead the country in rebounding. He wants to be a great post defender and, uh, and he can score. He's got really good hands. He can score in the, in the kind of the bunker spot area. And, uh, he's just going to be fun because I think, uh, something about so I coached the Dominican kid Francisco Garcia in Louisville. Yeah. They, they play with a flair, right? They play with a flair, and that's what this kid does. He plays with a flair that I think the fans are going to love. The fact that he even brought up Angel Delgado's name um, probably was was pretty cool. You now I, I I get the background where they're both from, so that's why right. why he knew him. But I, I can't imagine there's a whole lot of freshmen coming into the University of New Mexico finding an assistant coach and saying, "Hey, Angel Delgado is who I look up to." Yeah, no, it's cool. It's a cool bond that we have. Yeah, I show him some film on him, and he still keeps in touch with the kid. And, you know, I, I just like the fact that the kid's not well, – he doesn't care about scoring. And he's going to be able to score. He says, I want to lead the nation in rebounding. And I said, well, that's a valuable asset. So uh, I'm excited to coach him. Very cool. Hey, Dan, I appreciate this, man. I know it's weird times right Absolutely, now. Absolutely, Jeff. Yeah, this, this was fun. It is. Uh, I, I need to uh, – I'm going to try and get some of you guys, some of the other assistants on, maybe just short, quick-hitting podcasts to keep people entertained during this. Uh, everyone's on lockdown. Everyone's stuck at home right now. So uh, maybe I'll get a few more of these out now in the off season in the coming weeks. But um, when I do, I'm going to have to talk to some of those other assistants about how you guys push each other's buttons. <laughs> Definitely do that. Please do. And no, I think you do a tremendous job, Jeff, and your coverage all year long has been awesome. And, uh, no, I think this is a great idea with, with these podcasts, so I'm, I'm here for you anytime. Appreciate you, man. Dan, I appreciate it. Thanks. You got it. There was my conversation with Dan McHale. Hope you enjoyed that. He's the assistant basketball coach for, for Lobo Basketball and kind of gave us a, a little bit of a bio, a little rundown of how he got to where he is in his coaching career today and also sort of what he's doing at home right now with, with the family and, and how Lobo basketball is still, still plugging away, although in a very different kind of atmosphere right now. A very unique one, certainly for college basketball, because this is usually one of their busiest times on the road, whether or not they're playing. Um, they are on the road right now, usually recruiting in just a busy time of year. So different different world for all of us, and college basketball is no different. So Hope to get some of these podcasts out to you over the next couple of weeks and just conversations with people you may or may not know in the Albuquerque sports scene or around the country that may have a story or two about Albuquerque sports. And um, let's see what they're doing. Let's see what everyone's doing while we're all kind of in this together and all locked up right now in our in our homes for a lot of us. And, and don't forget the people that are actually you know out there on the front lines, if you will, fighting this battle, the healthcare workers, the first responders, the people that are the, you know, Stocking grocery shelves while, for some reason, people are still hoarding, you know, a lot of different 
items that, that don't entirely make sense to me or a lot of people, but the people that are actually out there still working, um, still putting themselves at risk so we can all, as best we can, kind of get through this together. I appreciate you guys for listening. Um, abqjournal.com slash sports will get you to our sports content. There is a archive of all the Talking Grammar podcasts. They're on the sports page linked at the top, or you scroll down a little bit and there's an icon that'll have Talking Grammar podcast archives. So I appreciate you for listening. Let me know. Reach out. Um, if you want to hear from a particular you know, Lobo Connection or Albuquerque Sports Connection. Let me know who you want to hear from. I'll try and get them on just short, quick 10, 15, 20 minute podcasts. See what they're doing during this coronavirus quarantine uh, situation that we're all facing. Or maybe we'll talk some Lobo basketball. Maybe we'll talk some MMA. Some Maybe we'll talk some whatever and how it relates to, to sports. And maybe it won't be about sports at all. But I just want to have some conversations that may help you guys kill the time a little bit and, and enjoy some content. So thanks again. Again, social media. I'm on Twitter all the time at Jeff Grammer, G-E-O-F-F-G-R-A-M-M-E-R. And you can email me or email the sports department anytime you want. That's Jeff Grammer at, or actually it's G Grammer at abqjournal.com or sports at abqjournal.com. Let us know what you think. Appreciate the time. Be safe, everybody.